Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. The bigger picture, only on Money FM 89.3. Good morning. Thanks for joining me on the bigger picture. And we've got a couple of things to unpack, and it seems to be revolving around China. So we've got some disappointing data coming out from China in the past few days, including how consumer prices fell for the first time in two years. That is now raising fears of deflation. Plus, US President Joe Biden has just signed an executive order aimed at regulating new US investments and expertise that supports Chinese development of sensitive technologies. So geopolitics also in the crosshairs. So let's unpack it with Vasu Menon. He is the Managing Director for Investment Strategy for OCBC Bank. Good morning, Vasu. How are you doing today? Good morning, Ryan. I'm very well. Thank you. Always great to have you on the show, Vasu. Let's start with some of the data we've been seeing from China. And by and large, it has been quite sluggish. I think the latest data is starting to raise some concerns about deflation. Walk us through the risk or at least how much concern we should be uh, parking on this front when it comes to how consumer prices fell for the first time in two years. What are the implications of this um, data point? Well, you know, Ryan, it's something that investors should be worried about and should keep their eye on. As you said, consumer prices, producer prices both fell at the same time uh, for the first time since uh, 2020, at least for consumer prices, right? In the case of producer prices, they've been falling for several months mm. now, but in the case of consumer prices, first time since 2020. But it's not completely a surprise because, you know, I think uh, when China announced its you know, second quarter GDP numbers, I think there were indications that we were seeing some degree of deflation in China. Those numbers did highlight that the deflator in China did show a negative picture. And so I think the markets were not totally surprised. And the minus 0.3% uh, number that we saw for the month of July was actually slightly better than what market expected, which was minus 0.4%. Right? Now, if you unpack even further and you take away food and energy, you find that actually month-on-month prices actually went up. The one reason why China has you know, seen a decline in prices is because of the elevated food and energy prices last year. But since then, food prices have come down, energy prices have come down. And, you know, so the year-on-year effect uh, shows a decline. But if you take away food and energy, mm. you find that, you know, the other categories did not show deflation. Plus, you did not see deflation in the services sector. You saw prices actually going up in that sector. So it's not all bad. Clearly, I think this is something that will rattle Chinese government. They are keeping a very close eye on the number because typically deflation will have a negative impact on the economy because if you have deflation, then consumers will hold back their spending. Companies will cut back on their investments, you know, hoping for better times. And that's going to hurt the economy even further and make it more difficult for the Chinese government to achieve its uh, 5% growth target. But as I said, you know, earlier, given the base effect and given the elevated food and, you know, uh, energy prices, uh, same time last year, Mm. Uh, it's possible that the Chinese government may not go full on with stimulus at this juncture. They'll wait for more data in the coming months to see how things pan out before they do anything too aggressive. And don't forget, if they do undertake monetary stimulus, it could potentially have a negative effect on the Chinese currency, which is already very weak. And not just that, if you have deflation and you know there's a lack of confidence in the system, even if they undertake monetary stimulus, what's going to happen is the banking system is not going to be able to extend loans to the corporate sector and maybe even the consumer sector because when people have a lack of confidence due to deflation, they're not going to borrow as much. So monetary stimulus may not work as well uh, in a deflationary environment. So put all that together. Yes, you know, it's something to think about. It's not a complete surprise. Uh, if it continues, it's going to drag the Chinese economy even further, make it more difficult to achieve the 5% target. But as I said, we have to bear in mind the base effect and the, the exclude food and energy may not be all that bad. 
Yeah, but so I'm curious about your point on the monetary policy potentially weighing on the Chinese yuan. So if it gets weaker, would that be actually benefiting exports, for example, making it more competitive? Would that be something to look forward to? Yes, no doubt. It will help to some extent, you know, Chinese exports to some extent. But nevertheless, you know, a weak currency is not always uh, the best thing for China. It shakes confidence uh, in the economy. It's a reflection, you know, it's a bellwether for the economy. And I don't think the Chinese government want to see too much of weakness as well in the Chinese currency because they've got debts to service as well. You know, Chinese companies have got uh, US dollar debt and so on and so forth that they have to service, uh, especially companies in the property sector. And a weaker currency will work against the ability of these companies to service their US dollar debt. And don't forget, many Chinese companies have actually, over the course of the last several years, taken on US dollar debt, you know, as part of their financing and uh, weaker currency doesn't work in their favour. All right, just to paint a picture, exports fell by 14.5% in July, while imports fell by 12.4% as well in US dollar terms, for both um, worse than expected. And looking at the picture in China, I mean, talking about how there's been this sluggish uh, feel for um, demand, uh, how is that affecting commodity expectations? Are we looking at, for example, oil prices and other commodities being affected as well? Well, you know, they have already affected commodity prices to some extent. You have oil uh, weakening and then, you know, it's rebounded recently because of, you know, concerns about tighter supply. Clearly, if the Chinese economy slows down significantly, then, you know, the commodity sector will be affected without a doubt. I mean, commodity prices could see further weakness. They've already seen quite a bit of weakness. Uh, But bear in mind also that, you know, inventory levels are very low in, you know, many of the commodity consuming countries. So because of these low inventory levels, you know, and the need to replenish the inventory, especially with things like infrastructure spending and so on and so forth, which are, you know, longer term structural stories, it's possible that, you know, that could provide some kind of a buffer to commodity prices. And once you go past this recession, interest rates are cut, economies start picking up steam in 24, 25, then, you know, things will start looking better for commodity prices as well. So it's not just about China, it's also about the supply, demand, inventory levels of uh, many of these commodities, and it's uh, more complicated than that. Mm. And I think, you know, you've got to look at each commodity on its own, look at the dynamics in terms of those factors. Uh, talking about dynamics, right? When you have prices falling uh, on the producer front as well as the consumer front, is that going to be good news for the inflation story where perhaps there'll be less pressure for prices to go up? Well, you know, uh, to some extent, it helps the developed markets you know, in terms of their own inflation. But, you know, the data also shows that the percentage of Chinese goods that are consumed in developed economies is not all that high. There is some benefit for developed economies in their fight against inflation in the case of the U.S. and the European Union. But again, as I said, the percentage mm. is not as high. So there'll be some spillover effect. But uh, I think overall, a stronger China, a stronger Chinese economy would be actually better for the rest of the world and the rest of developed economies overall. I okay. think as opposed to having a weak Chinese economy, which I think is uh, less beneficial because China, after all, is a major economic superpower. All right, Vasu, just to wrap things up quickly, what's your advice to investors right now as they wrap up the rest of the year? It's a very tricky investment climate, uh, Ryan. I mean, we all know the markets have been volatile, but I think what's interesting is if you look at the first half performance or you look at the market performance here today, markets have done relatively well. Equities have done relatively well. Bonds have done, okay, relatively well too. I mean, not as well as equities, but equities have done better. Uh, but still, you know, I think it highlights the fact that if you cast your mind back to the last seven months, seven and a half months, you find that, yeah, we've, we've been worrying a lot. I mean, we've had this program. Uh, you've got a lot of people coming on and, you know, you, hi- hi- you have people highlighting uncertainties, concerns, hate and so on and so forth. And if you absorb all of that and you do nothing and you sit on your hands, uh, you'd have missed out on the opportunity to uh, grow your funds. So I think that the message here is that, okay, don't get overly consumed by the headlines. I mean, remember the investment, investments is really a, a long-term journey. 
Uh, you're, you're not trading the markets. I mean, of course, trading should be a small portion of your portfolio. The bulk of it, it should be invested for the long term. And I think if you're, you're taking a view over the next two, three years, there are reasons to be positive. I mean, um, interest rates will be cut, I think, in 24, 25. Uh, and typically, historically, it shows that uh, when that happens, markets do even better. There's a lot of idle liquidity on the sidelines. We don't have irrational exuberance. You don't have people jumping into the markets and coughing bubbles. I mean, in fact, people are sitting on the sidelines with a lot of cash, waiting for opportunities, enabling, and, you know, and those sideliners could come back into the, into the free and uh, push markets a lot higher once things start looking a lot better, and especially the Fed, maybe some of the major central banks cut rates, and that could happen in 24, 25. And, you know, markets uh, don't wait for that to happen. They, have, they react six months to nine months before that. And, uh, you know, so you don't want to be sitting on your hands doing nothing. You want to invest in the markets, but invest gradually. And maybe a safer approach is to spread your investments out over the next six, nine months if you're looking to put fresh money into the markets. All right. Thank you for your time this morning, Vasu. Michel Vasu Menon, he is the Managing Director for Investment Strategy at OCBC Bank. Vasu, we'll catch up again with you soon. Thank you, Ryan. Thanks for having me on the show. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A W E D I O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.